Hello and welcome to another episode of Running the Race podcast. RTR is a ministry of First Baptist Church of Gonzales, Louisiana, and strives to provide a pastoral perspective on living the Christian life in our day. To learn more about who we are and what we believe, head over to our website, www.fbcg.net. You can access more episodes of the podcast, view or listen to sermons or worship services, or explore some of the other resources we have available on the site. Today's episode is on the topic of biblical gender and sexuality. How can Christians best engage and respond to a culture increasingly supportive of the LGBTQ agenda? How do we speak the truth and love on this issue? Today's speakers are Senior Pastor Jim Law and our Minister to Students, Alex Ray. We're grateful that you've uh, joined us today for Running the Race podcast. It's been quite a a break, Alex, Um, but we've come back to offer this podcast uh, to respond um, to uh, transgenderism in our culture. And uh, it really is a follow-up to the seminar that you uh, presented to the FBCG family last month. And uh, it can be viewed on the uh, our website and would point people to that. Uh, but this uh, podcast is really for the purpose of supplementing um, the material you presented uh, and in order to equip you know our church to respond to these conversations that are ever increasing in family life in the work environment and um, uh, just as we go. So what were some of your thoughts or goals entering into that um, connect group um, session you shared last month? Yeah, Jim, I'm grateful to be able to do that and, and to kind of look at the, the brief outline of that uh, session. A couple of the things that we talked about was how we were, we wanted to communicate both in truth and love, and that they both go hand in hand, and we don't want to compromise on either one. Uh, that ultimately our uh, fundamental authority is the Word of God, and so we want to stand on that. But we also, in addition to that, or in partnership with that, want to communicate both in love and grace. And so as we discussed that, we want to operate through that framework. But then in the discussion, we talked about how the this movement, uh, this LGBTQ plus movement really has invaded um, so much and seemingly nearly all of uh, uh, human life, uh, and at least in American society, from sports to TV to children's entertainment, uh, like Disney, Cartoon Network, among others, uh, public, the public school system, even, even perhaps the private school system in some places, but certainly the public school system, uh, all the way down to elementary schools, they're being very much um, uh, affected and influenced uh, by this ideology. And so that's something we need to be aware of. And so we, we, talk, we talked about that. We also talked about how this really is more than just a simple disagreement on, on how many genders there are. That's part of the conversation, to be sure. But it's more than that, that really this is a fundamental uh, understanding of what it means to be made uh, as a man or a woman in the image of God. What does it mean to be a human? Um, in addition to that, is there a given reality that you and I ought to live our lives to, or is life basically a sort of sandbox by which we could just make it out to be whatever we want it to be? And those are two very, the answer, how you answer that very much affects how you live. Mm-hmm. And then we ended by um, talking about how uh, the church ought to care for those who are hurting, that gender dysphoria is a, is a real thing statistically rare in the general population, but it is very much a real thing. So how ought we to approach it and how ought we to engage with those who truly are suffering? 
And so we talked about how we, we want to affirm God's design for humanity that, and that ultimately we want to point people not to look into themselves, but rather to look upward. Mm. And that when Jesus extends this beautiful invitation in Matthew 11, that for those who are weary and for those who are hurt and for those who are heavy laden, he offers them rest. That, that's the only thing that we can say ultimately mm-hmm. it, uh, as, a, as a way to move forward is that I can't fix them. They can't fix them. Only Jesus can, can give them the rest and the right. satisfaction that we're all looking for. All of us are looking for that. And the good news of the gospel that, that's found in Jesus, part of the good news of the gospel mm-hmm. that, that is found in Jesus. I, I think what's interesting as well, Alex, is um, when you look at uh, the Apostle Paul, when he, when he defends the gospel or he presents the gospel with a Gentile audience, uh, he always begins with creation. And what's affirmed mm-hmm. in creation is God created them male and female. Mm-hmm. And that there is a distinction that is presented in Scripture, that there's a difference between a man and a woman, and it's tied to a biological understanding. Mm-hmm. We know now that the genetics are involved with that, and that there's a, a living out of that identity as God's creative design. What we're looking at now is human autonomy determining uh, the direction of what creation has established, and it's leading to... Tremendous um, chaos, uh, confusion, rebellion, mm-hmm. um, heartache. Um, I mean, genuine heartache across the board in so many ways. Uh, just uh, in the sports realm, you watch this week uh, the the Riley Gaines um, mm-hmm. saga the last over the last two weeks. The swimmer who um, was assaulted and had to compete um, w- with a biological male and this type of you see the the heartbreak of the broken dreams and as well as with families right who um, don't understand um, what's happened to their son or daughter mm-hmm. caught up in this movement so uh, we were offering this podcast again as a supplement to provide a hands-on tool to uh, to try to navigate uh, these conversations better and to give a, a defense, a response of the hope that's within us as, as a Christian. And so we want to outline the podcast today, Alex, on four C's. We're good Baptists. Very good Baptists. And we'll try to end with a poem, maybe. Maybe. But uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, any, any, four C's, compassion, conviction, clarity, and courage. So compassion. So how do we start there? Well, the example and teaching of Jesus, I think of Luke 15, where Jesus um, ate with sinners and was, you know, castigated by the religious leaders, Right. Um, that he saw the the people of sheep without a shepherd had compassion for them. That's Blanc Nas, Blanc Nidzamai, which you mentioned in your in your seminar, mm-hmm. where he's deeply moved by human need, all kinds of fallenness. Yeah. And, and, he, and he did it quite often to the extent that he had, he had a reputation for spending mm-hmm. time um, with them. He called a a drunkard and a glutton, and so he—that's not something that happened by accident. That mm-hmm. that kind of reputation that he that implicitly shows how much time he spent with them. And so I think the you know one of the concerns I have with the example of Jesus is often people take his example and then um, fit it into their own desire to live like sure you know the, the, to embrace that lifestyle. So that's not what we're talking about, but we certainly see his compassion for people. Um, also in the letters of Paul, I, I, you know, when we look at how to deal with making spiritual decisions in our life and how to respond to various things, I think of Colossians 4, uh, 5 and 6, where he says, walk in wisdom toward outsiders. So he's, mm-hmm. he's talking to believers, and um, he's, 
he's admonishing the church to walk with wisdom towards those who are uh, the unbelieving world. Right. So making the best use of the time. And he said, goes on to say, let our speech be gracious, mm-hmm. <laughs> seasoned with salt. And here's one of my concerns when we talk about compassion as believers is we give away the farm and trying to affirm people or show compassion to them. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about. We want a salty witness, which means that we must speak the truth and uh, call people to, uh, to follow uh, what God has said. And mm-hmm. Paul concludes by saying, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Mm-hmm. So we're going to look at a number of scenarios uh, today in this podcast. And just uh, I want to use that Colossians admonition uh, to try to discern what, how we ought to answer and how mm-hmm. we ought to respond you yeah, it's not, it's not an either or. It's not only compassion. And, and it, we've talked before about how sometimes that can be seen as to be compassionate means to affirm or agree with whatever the decision is. And that's not necessarily the case at all. That sometimes the worst thing you can do for someone is to affirm and agree with mm-hmm. whatever decision that is. And so to use a very extreme example would be for someone who struggles with, um, with their weight and let's say it's a teenage girl who struggles with weight. Certainly teenage boys struggle with that as well. But let's imagine it's a teenager and they think that they're grossly overweight. And in fact, they're very tiny. But what they do is they take extreme measures to, to counteract that. So they're, they're bulimic or they're anorexic because they feel their body is wrong. Well, the worst thing for us to do would be to affirm them in that and say, yeah, you should keep doing these extreme things you're doing to your body because... You're right. That's the only way to go. No, the compassionate thing to do would be to pull them aside in love and say, no, this is wrong. And so you can communicate in compassion and in love while also not wavering on the truth. That's what we want to do when it comes to as far as compassion goes. Also remembering that we all have our own sins and struggles, that we are all um, uh, broken in our sin. And so we're all equal footing at the cross that there's no moral high ground and that because I personally don't struggle with this particular issue did not give me some sort of platform mm. by which I can just say I'm better than you. Yeah. And we're all broken. And so even though I don't maybe struggle with this, there are other sins I certainly struggle with. And so we all are in equal need of a savior. Before we leave compassion, I was uh, taken in um, on to an online conversation. If a trans person in the conversation, this is the next excerpt. If a trans person like anyone else is not welcome to seek God at your church, I'm not sure how your church could be pleasing to God. And then it followed up with, if a trans person like anyone else is affirmed in their sin by your church, I'm not sure how your church could be pleasing to God. Right. So I, you know, in trying to discern these things, what is the, the person's desire. Mm-hmm. Why, why are they in church? Mm-hmm. And uh, we want to help those who are genuinely struggling to, to do what is right in their life and point them to, to Christ who, who is our life. Sure. And, and I'm, if I remember correctly, you've said numerous times from the pulpit, from anybody who had broken at all, that we would, there's no other place that we'd rather you be. Yeah, than here. here at FBC. Right. Uh, from the pulpit, you said that. And so there really is two conversations going on here. Uh, Alex, when we talk about compassion and truth and speaking the word, uh, the truth in love and seasoned with salt, 
you we have one which is the agenda driving this uh, mm-hmm. throughout the world and in our culture in particular an aggressive agenda it's hard to calculate i think the erwin luther said it's hard to calculate or enumerate all the gains of the lgbtq community except to say that they've basically gotten everything they want i mean their their agenda is encased in law and we're working through this unsustainable um, development. So you have this aggressive agenda that views the world detached from the foundation of Scripture. Uh, there are so many forces at play, and here you have human autonomy without restraint. Mm-hmm. And so there, there will never be a reconciliation with the Christian worldview with that kind of mindset. And then you have the second aspect of this conversation, in individuals who are genuinely struggling with a consuming desire, uh, a deep confliction, over their identity, and those are the ones that we're wanting to offer hope. Yeah, and I, and I think too, and I, I think there might be even a, an argument to be made that the third category, um, in between that, which is to say, for especially for a lot of teenagers, that they're they're confused, and so they're hearing this first group that you mentioned. They see they're everywhere. They hear, they're everywhere. hearing it everywhere, everywhere, and then maybe they know of someone in the second group who's genuinely struggling. And so they're seeing this, and so they become like kind of the third group where they're they're just they're confused. They don't know where to go because it's just everywhere. And where that plays out in this compassion issue is um, often the speaking the truth is viewed as hate speech, right? And that's you know we're called to to bear witness to the truth, right? Regardless of what um, the issue is. Let's move on to conviction. You know, you had a. You had a, an apologetics conference in January that um, really made a deep impact on you. Um, right. So I, I had the uh, the privilege of uh, doing a breakout session at a conference a few months back and, and presented a very similar um, lecture. And uh, what was really interesting, one of the main takeaways for me on that was there were uh, two uh, two people who came to the to the to the session. They knew what it was about, and they very much disagreed with a lot of what I was saying. Um, they were very polite about it, incredibly polite about it, very kind about it. Uh, they were not shy about voicing their disagreement by way of asking questions. You know, they, they would raise their hand very politely. They weren't disruptive, very kind. Um, but one of the questions that they they asked me um, was that if, and we, talk, we were talking about the use of a preferred pronouns, and they asked me, it, would I use somebody's preferred pronoun, whatever whatever their pronoun might be, if it like if it lessened their chance of hurting themselves? That's a very serious question because, of course, some, the idea that somebody might hurt themselves over anything is something we want to um, be uh, be aware of and, and and give sympathy to. And and so I I, uh, I thanked them for the question and I and I. I shared them that, you know, two things. One, I, I would want to, in no particular order, I want to see the evidence that not doing so would lead to increased um, harm, which I'm not personally convinced that it is, but I'm happy to, to look at whatever they might share with me. Um, but the other thing is that I said that, well, no, if, if, we're, if pronouns are, are meant to be, the function of a pronoun, part, one of the functions of a pronoun is to reflect what reality is, then if I'm using alternative pronouns i would i would say that that ends up being a form of lying because i'm not describing reality as it actually is and i and i don't want to lie and so i think going back to compassion again being able to communicate the truth in love it's not compassionate for me to lie to you to put it to put it shortly 
And so, uh, again, they were very kind about it. Um, and uh, unfortunately, I was not able to talk to them a whole lot afterward. Uh, it got busy, but I was thankful for the question. But again, we don't want to go along with this idea that to affirm that compassion automatically equals affirmation. I think right. that's, I think that's a, a very unhelpful way to look at it. Yeah. So, you know, with conviction, the way this plays out, Alex, is that Christians are going to have to think through, um, you know, the whole pronoun issue, the, the use of names. Um, you know, if I have a neighbor who is clearly um, um, a biological male and, and takes on what is commonly a feminine name, uh, you know, what am I going to do with the name? I think name is rooted in culture and uh, there's some latitude there. Sure. However, when you're when you go to pronouns, it, it's really you're talking about reality. And we saw in the news uh, re- in recent days um, this article by Ros- Rosaria Butterfield, where she publicly repented of um, you know pronoun hospitality is what she called it. And um, what does she, she mean by that? Well, that she was. In order to try to reach people where they were, she would incorporate the pronouns that they insisted, even though that they defied reality. Mm-hmm. And so she repents of that, and she went on to say that Christians who use the moral lens of this movement, the LGBTQ plus personhood, are not merely a soft presence in the enemy camp. Um, they become pudding in the enemy's hand, and they make false converts to a counterfeit gospel that bends the knee to the fictional fictitious uh, identity of, of of the movement so she wanted to go on record not that she was just mistaken but that she's repented of that and I, I i i really appreciate you know her willingness to do that that words are significant they're not mm-hmm. just subjective wax and noses that we mold into our image they they communicate reality and um uh, to compromise on that you're not you're not win- moving towards winning a, an right. argument uh, let's move on to the third C, Alex, clarity. Uh, there's a lot of chaos if we wanted to use a fifth C, but um, clarity. Mm-hmm. You know, we must affirm God's design. And going back to affirming what's not true, you know, we live in a culture that if I declare I'm this, you need to affirm it. Right. Right. And, and I think, uh, again, in that idea of um, communicating well, I can, so I, I like books, I like reading, and so I'm always looking for other books and stuff like that to help me think through these issues well and communicate well. And so some of the um, more helpful ones regarding this topic have been uh, Andrew Walker's book, God and the Transgender Debate. Yes. I think it's a fantastic primer and intro uh, for this discussion. Um, another one is by Carl Truman, who wrote an incredible book called uh, The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self which he then later distilled into a, a bit of a more friendlier uh, version called Strange New World, thinking about how uh, we got to where we are today. And I think he's probably one of the clearest and most articulate thinkers out there regarding this. And so just wanting to communicate well, I think one of the best ways we can communicate well is to understand how we got here, and which, which then be able to, when you're having this conversation with a coworker, with a family member, you're you're not coming in empty-handed, so to speak. But if you understand how we got here, I think it's a good way to know how to communicate our, our present position going forward. 
So I think for every Christian, it really is a call to be an ongoing learner mm-hmm. on on how to be faithful with the gospel in these conversations. Yeah. Um, how how am I going to respond to these things that are surfacing more and more in the culture? Um, it's going to affect decisions. It's going to affect a lot of things, which leads us to the fourth uh, C, courage. Um, speaking in difficult circumstances, and this is really what I, I want to give our final time to, is responding to uh, the circumstances that are already out there. And some who listen to this podcast may be dealing with them right now. The workplace. My coworker identifies as opposite sex and wants to use alternative pronouns. During, at the workplace. Yeah. yeah that, that would be uh, stuff that I can easily see someone um, having, having that and someone they work with on a regular basis. And so that might complicate it even more for them because if it's once in a while, you might be able to avoid this issue entirely. But if it's someone you're working with on a regular basis, you can't exactly avoid that. Uh, I think that if that were me, I think one of the things that I would want to do is, especially especially if I have a, a long-standing relationship with them, we're not strangers, We've been working side by side or near each other. And hopefully that person will understand where my heart is, that I'm not out to get them. I'm not, um, I'm only seeking their, their, their welfare that I want, I want what's best for them. And so for, for me, I would say, listen, if we had this conversation with this person, I said, listen, I, I appreciate you. I value your friendship. I'm glad that we work together. Um, but, and, I, and um, I, I, I can't do it. Uh, again, going back to wanting to speak with conviction, wanting to speak with clarity, that I can't lie and love you at the same time. Well, here we have a situation where Christians really are going to have to make a decision. You know, um, if I'm required at the workplace to respond in email and in conversation uh, to recognize these declared pronouns by this person, preferred pronouns, my my answer must be I I, I can't I can't do that. Right. Then there are other things that follow having, you know, if you have travel arrangements and other things like this and hotel arrangements, so you're having to think through so many things. So, uh, you know, it's going to require, um, some, some courage on, on where you stand because we don't want to bear false witness, right? You're, you're a biological man. You were created as, as a male human being, and I'm not going to say otherwise, um, mm-hmm. And so that's not disrespectful. It could be spoken disrespectfully. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking about that. And you know, Alex, through all of your responses through this, what I sense from you as a as a Christian is that you really want to understand where people are coming from. And mm-hmm. I, I think that should be the heart of every Christian. But in situations like this work environment, it often can become toxic and sure. confrontive and abusive if you're standing on these kind of truths and Christians are going to have to determine, I'm not going to affirm what's false. Right. Uh, Ryan, uh, Reese, uh, Laverty, um, who writes for ad fontes, uh, summed up the argument. Well, preferred pronouns are rejection of God's purpose for our words. They deny what our minds can clearly discern the good existence of male and female. Namely, they shun the obligation we have to declare what we've discerned. And so they are unethical and unacceptable speech for anyone, let alone Christians. And so that's what's behind that. I, I appreciated also John Stone Street in dealing with this issue, actually in his Breakpoint podcast this week. Christians should also avoid unnecessary offense when possible. 
And we should know that calling males men and females women will not in and of itself resolve the thorny cultural, psychological, and spiritual challenge of transgender ideology. Still, caving on words will destroy our ability to understand and undermine our ability to debate the issue truthfully. Right. Uh, I appreciated that. So it is truth, not niceness or relevance or hospitality that can set people free. Right. And uh, pointing them to the gospel. Let's move to the second scenario, Alex. Uh, my child is attracted to this ideology and wants to undergo gender-affirming surgery. That's a uh, also another difficult one because um, here you're dealing with a with a young young child or even a teenager, perhaps. And so they're think about how chaotic the teenage, especially the teenage years, are already. Um, and then you have the how the idea that social media is the reality rather the idea that the social media is everywhere uh we're always connected uh, all the time 24 7 there's no escape from from just being connected being on and so then you have this ideology that's going in, in, into that as well and so i think what if i had a, a young person who was sitting with me teenager or younger uh one of the one things i want to do again is have that conversation with them want to ask questions um, they tell me they, they feel that there's somebody, they're, they're born in the wrong body. That's a really interesting thing to say. Why do you think that? How did you get to that conclusion? What makes you feel that way? What did they even mean to be born in the wrong? What did that even mean? Um, so I, I want to ha- ask a lot of questions and just to hear where they're coming from. I also think in some cases, uh, counseling, uh, actual formal counseling might go a long way. A lot of great resources out there. And then again, as you kind of alluded to many times, wanting to point them to the to the goodness of God's creation. That we live in a fallen world, but that doesn't mean that what God created wasn't initially good. That, you're, that doesn't mean you're, that you're an accident. We believe, that we, we believe in a good God who is sovereign over all things. Your existence is not an accident. And then what I would want to maybe bring up at some point in the conversation, depending on how the you know how it's going with the, with this young person is that research has shown that an overwhelming majority yes. of children who struggle with gender dysphoria and again i would put that in that second camp of people who i would, I would put that in the it, group who were confused who are confused yeah mm-hmm. the second group of people that we spoke about who are, who are genuinely um struggling with the gender dysphoria those people it, research shows 80 to 95 percent of that group of children who struggle with gender dysphoria they grow out of it if they're not encouraged to transition. It's just something that they're wrestling with. Maybe maybe it's the stereotypical tomboy who should, doesn't fit in with the rest of the group, and so they, they work through this. And the over eight, again, 80 to 95% should naturally grow out of it if they're not encouraged to transition. And I think another compelling um, motivation for us is the regrets right. on the back end of this. Okay, we're... Going through this craze right now, uh, Alex, with regard to children and um, the surgeries, the mutilation surgeries, um, let's fast forward 20 years and you know, just thinking through the regrets of that. It doesn't resolve the issue. I mean, th- that's a clear... Right. It doesn't resolve the internal angst. I mean, there are many right. testimonies to that. And, but I, I can envision in the future, and even now I've read of, of cases where you have people who've gone through this surgery, but now want to repent. They want to repent. 
I mean, what's really interesting about that, sadly, so is that um, this tra- this transition surgery, that what they what they're now uh, cleverly calling gender affirming surgery, it used to be called other stuff, now it's called gender affirming surgery. Um, that you have already in, in the short time that this has been going on, just a few short years, we already have on March twelfth, we should pass a little over a month ago. March twelfth has already been called the National Detransition Awareness yeah. Day. And so there's already enough the people fallout, yeah. who struggle with this, right. who've been through this, where we can, name, we can name a day after this. Let's go to the third scenario, and we'll close with this one. My sister-in-law dresses as a man. She now looks like a man, dresses like one, and goes by a masculine name. There's a family gathering coming up that my wife and I want to attend, but I'm, I'm worried about how the influence of transgenderism will affect our children. You know, here we come back. I, I want to bring us back to Colossians 4, 5, and 6 where they were to use wisdom in, in answering outsiders, talking to outsiders, learning discern. There's so many factors to be considered with the family dynamic. Sure. You know, how, what is her approach to family life? Is she seeking to be championed in her uh, transition? Uh, or is she, um, you know, open to conversation? And one of the bits of counsel that came out of the article was, if you're still on speaking terms with your sister-in-law, and this is what you I've noticed in your responses all the way through, Alex, is you're wanting a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not talking about a corporate setting or an office setting where you're mandated to toe the line. You're, this is family. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciate the, the courage needed to, to reach out and have a conversation with her, with a sister-in-law. And if you're still on speaking terms, consider calling her to discuss your Concerns about the family reunion, you know, careful with how you address it, but to be able to say, you know, to talk honestly about your Christian values, your, your biblical convictions mm-hmm. and to share your concerns and, and to tell, um, your sister-in-law that you're looking forward to seeing her, but want to make it clear that we, I care about our relationship, but at the same time, we're still helping our children, form their sexual values right. and we're responsible for their nurture and, and the path that you're taking makes that very difficult um, and allow her to respond to that. And hopefully it could be fruitful right? rather than sometimes just going with the flow. And again, we don't have a, a tit for tat, um, you know, manual. Uh, if this happens, do this. If this, ha- right. you know, this is dynamic. This is a family, family life, but this is heart rending. And so, um, uh, you know, there's many things to consider, but certainly we want to be truthful and we shouldn't minimize convictions and burdens we have with regard to parenting, with regard to family relationships, to be open, transparent, sensitive, mm-hmm. and truthful and courageous yeah. um, because the truth is at stake. So how, how would you like to close this podcast, Alex? Christians ought to be known by their love for each other. God, we're called to love God, love neighbor. What would that look like, practically speaking? I suppose um, when it comes to this topic, how would you how would you respond to that? Well, I think that we should, um, you know, engage it with love and concern and care and and the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the last scenario is an illustration of that. If we can, and you mentioned a series of learning to ask good questions and uh, to try to understand where they're coming from, and then uh, to to share the, the hope of the gospel. Yeah. And that's where we find true love. 
a God who never leaves us, who is redeeming us, and all of us have issues with, um, you know, disordered desire. Sort of loves. Yeah. And so all of us are in need of a redeemer. And so these desires um, um, need to be brought under the authority of Christ and to receive his grace and truth and the gospel, to repent of our sins, to do battle with um, you know, sinful desires, and that um, he does hear the cry of those who cry out to him. And so that would be the way I would want our ministry to be marked. We're, we don't know, we don't have all the answers, but we want to stand on, on Christ, the solid rock. Um, all other ground is sinking sand. There's the poem out loud. There it is. <laughs> Got it. All other ground is sinking sand, and um, he's our hope. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Running the Race podcast. Find out more information about our church and our ministry, or for more episodes, be sure to visit our website, www.fbcg.net. If you're listening on iTunes or Google Podcasts, positive review would really help us out a lot. Thanks for taking the time to do that. If you found the podcast to be interesting and helpful, recommending us to a friend or family member you think would benefit from listening would be a great thing. We look forward to seeing you again next time. And once again, thanks, God bless, and goodbye for now.